steady. Are we going to keep the lights off, Dean? Yeah. There are those beautiful faces. What's up, y'all? What's up? All right, so guess what? So y'all know I come from the black church. And any time I say this to preface what I'm about to get ready to do. So when a preacher is preaching in the black church and they see someone that they know in the, in the congregation that they haven't seen in a very long time, they always call them out. One of my dear brothers, I see him right here, from seminary, one of my good, good friends, Pastor Sean Tripline, has come to visit us on this morning, and I just had to give him a shout out. Yeah, he know, he know. He knew what I was going to do. He knew what I was going to do. Tripline, I got to show him what the black church is all about sometimes. Every once in a while, I got to give him a little dose. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so yeah, Tripline's one of my great, great friends. I'm happy to have him here on this morning. Let's go to God in prayer, and then we're going to dive into our text this morning. Jesus, we are nothing without you. We're absolutely nothing without you. This morning, we come to you humbly. We come to you earnestly just to receive your word. Help us this morning, Lord. Convict us, inspire us, and encourage us, God, so that we can learn and mature in our faith, grow in our faith, so that we can be true and devoted followers of yours. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. For a few minutes of your time this morning, church, I want to tag this text, stay awake. Stay awake. So we are now on letter number five in our Revelation series, right? And we're talking about the church in Sardis. And what we've seen so far, just to give you just a quick overview, we've seen Jesus talk to these churches, right? And in Ephesus, we see how Jesus is trying to really talk to a loveless church and guide them through their lovelessness in that specific church. We also see in in, uh, Simra how he's trying to encourage a persecuted church. And then we also saw in Pergamum how Jesus was both trying to encourage a persecuted church while at the same time guide them through their compromising faith. They they were compromising their, 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 their Christianity, their spirituality, to be accepted and to also just fit in and to, 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 to survive in that context. And we see Jesus guide them through that. This morning, we see our Savior try to summon and awake a church that he calls dead, spiritually dead, that is. And if we're honest with ourselves, this is probably the most negative letter that we're going to see. Like his tone is very negative. His judgment is very negative. But, but because he's Jesus and because he's our Savior, even in this negative judgment, it is peppered with grace. It's peppered with repentance. He's still encouraging them, turn around, turn from these ways and follow me authentically and genuinely. And we, we, we get from the start we hear Jesus say that I am the one who holds the seven stars. Again, reminding us that I am the Lord of the cosmos. I am the, I am the God of this universe. Therefore, since I am true Lord, since I am true king, right, I have the right to speak truth into lies and into fakeness. And that is what we see in the church in Sardis. You have the reputation for being spiritually alive. But actually, you're dead. 
what a scathing critique from our Savior. Why is this? Let's, get, let's dig into it. So in verse 2, let's, let's bring it up, Pam. Verse 2, we get those first two words. Y'all know what it is. First four words, I know your works. We see this almost every week, right? I know. And this obviously references back to that first initial vision that we saw when Jesus was like, I see those seven lampstands, and what am I doing? I'm in the midst. I'm in the middle, right? And what he's saying is, I know what's happening in your context. I know what's happening in this church. And because I know intimately what is happening in this church and in this context, I know the truth. Yeah, y'all got all these church services going, all these programs, y'all volunteering, y'all serving, but I actually see. And what I see in this church, for all of your busyness, for all of, 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 of the programs and services and committees and rituals y'all are having, for all of that, you have no fruit to show for it. You have nothing to show for it. You shall know a tree, Jesus says in Matthew, by the, by the fruit that it bears. If, if, if a tree bears good fruit, then it's a healthy tree. But if it bears bad fruit, then it's rotten at its foundation. It's rotten at its core. And he's saying to this church, you're rotten because you're not bearing any good fruit. I want you to get this. A busy spiritual life does not mean authentic spiritual life. Let me say that one more time. A busy spiritual life does not equal authentic spiritual life, right? And, and, and as much as we, there, there is this temptation to say that, man, they're really getting it wrong. We have to see ourselves in this text. Because we can come here on Sundays and go through the motions. We can come here and we can sing with gusto and passion. We can lift our hands and worship. We can stomp our feet and praise. We, we, we can volunteer and well kids, go to discipleship course. We can do all the things and still miss the point. Are we actually meditating on the goodness and truth of God? Are we actually intimately trying to connect with our Father in heaven? Or are we just going through the motions? Are we just checking off a box so that it appears that we are actual Christians? There's a scholar, George Crudell. He calls this ecclesiastical sleepwalking. That's just a fancy way of saying you're going to church and, 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 and you're giving off the appearance that you're awake because you're here, you're worshiping, you're volunteering, but you're actually spiritually dead. You're actually not connected to the Savior. Scathing critique. Scathing critique by our Savior. But we have to realize that as Christians, the reason that Jesus makes this critique, right, is because of the nature of, 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 of how we are to live, live as Christians. What do you mean? If we are to live as Christians, 
right? It goes this way. Our Christian and spiritual lives are based in a relationship. It is based in how we relate to Jesus through his spirit, right? So, so it is a life that we cannot sustain on our own. Right? It is a life, it is a supernatural life that requires supernatural resources. So therefore, when we drift off or, 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 or when, when, when we get distracted by things in our lives, we can fall off. Right? We, 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 can, we, can, we can quite literally, our lives will be altered just by being distracted, just by drifting off, and we have to get back on track immediately. Because without intimacy, without that relationship with Christ, our spiritual lives are dead. And and, and I think one of the ways we can sum up this text, one one of the lessons Jesus wants to teach us is that as Christians, our lives are consistently on the brink. We're on the brink of falling because we all live extremely busy lives. There's a lot going on, a lot that we're thinking about, a lot that we have to navigate in our lives. And it's so easy to be lulled to sleep, right, by the business in our lives. It's so easy. It's so easy to forget that we have to tend to this relationship every single day if we want to be alive. Right? It's so easy. And that's why Jesus is saying emphatically, you have to wake up. Wake up. Because you've been lulled to sleep. And, 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 and again, we can go to all the D courses we want. We can volunteer for well kids all we want. We can come here and worship all we want. But without intimacy with Christ, Without that authentic relationship with Christ, our spiritual lives is rendered useless and rendered dead. That's what he's saying. So the question becomes, how can we stay connected? But before we go there, I was thinking this week, as I was, th- as, as we were, as I was studying this text, how to best describe, right, how we ought to stay connected. So there's two things. First, number one, Jesus describes how we can stay connected in the Gospel of John when he, des- when he describes this, di- this dynamic through vines and branches. We know this. Jesus says what? I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain, if I remain in you, you, wait, 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 let me get it right. Remain in me and I remain in you. There we go. Remain in me and I remain in you. You cannot bear fruit on your own. Whoever remains in me will bear good fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that connection to the vine is the key to spiritual life. I also thought about this. Do we have any water skiers in here? Anybody water ski? Water ski? I don't water ski. I'm afraid of sharks. So I don't, I, like, I, I literally, I can't go near Bodies of water. Even if, it's a, even if it's a lake, I feel like something can still be in there. You know what I'm saying? I feel like, you know, some kind of monster can, like, pop out around there. I don't know. But, um, 
But, but I do like watching water skis, though, so I, I could watch it one time. Josh. I mean, invite me and I'll watch it, bro. Um, but water skis is interesting, right? Because you really just need a crepe on. You really just need about three things. You just need a boat, a rope, and some skis. And you got a driver of the boat, and then you have the rope that connects the skier to the boat. And he's driving, and we skiing. And, he, and, and as long as the boat is moving, as long as the boat is driving, we're skiing on the water. And it's interesting because there, there, and, and, and when you let go of the rope, you immediately sink. Immediately. And it's interesting because if you're driving the boat at top speed, you can actually let go of the rope and still be on top of the water for, a little, for, a little, for, about, for about 30 or 40 seconds. You, you, you can still be on top of the water, right? According to my research, I haven't done this before. According to my research, right? You can still be on top of the water, right? So that, 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 that's interesting. What does it got to do with spiritual life? So God is the driver of the boat, and we are the skiers, and the rope is connecting us to the boat. Now, in our lives, if we're honest with ourselves, we can look around and see, and we might see folks dropping a rope, having a good time. You say, you know, I want to be like them. So we're going to drop the rope. We also might look around and say, you know, I'm sick of going this way. I'm sick of the direction that my boat driver is taking me in. I think I could do a better job. So we dropped the rope. And then there are times where we might be like, you know, I see so many people doing tricks, doing all kind of stuff with their skis. I want to do that. Even though we aren't been trained, even though we can't do none of that, we say, I want to do, I want to be just like them. So what do we do? We drop the rope and we sink. And, and, and sometimes the boat might be going so fast, when we drop the rope, we're, we're, we're standing on the water by ourselves for a little while, but, it, but, but eventually truth comes in and we fall. Right? And then, if we're honest, there are also times when we're going through very tumultuous waters and there are, there are storms coming at us and we're like, driver, why are you taking me this way? Why am I having to navigate these turbulent waters? Why is my life so hard? And we're saying, you know, I don't trust in this way because of what's happening to me. So in despair and in sadness, we lose trust for the driver, and we drop the rope. But the good news for us is that every time we drop that rope, the driver comes back around. He sees us down there, stuck in the middle of nowhere. He throws that rope back out there. He says, grab back on, because here's the truth. Where you are right now, there is no life down there. There is no hope down there. There is no joy down there. There is no direction and guidance down there. There, 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 there is no fulfillment down there. And most importantly, there is no me down there. So I need you to grab this rope. And I know it might be hard. 
I know it might be tough, but what you have to trust is this, that I am leading you and I am guiding you and I'm taking you to a place one day where you won't have to cry no more, where there will be no more brokenness, where there will be no more shame, where there will be no more trauma, where there will be no more heartache, where there will be no more, no more pain. I'm taking you there on this journey and you will get there as long as you hold on to the rope. You got to hold on to the rope. And, 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 and the power of the driver is this. He says, even as you're, 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 you're navigating these tumultuous waters, because you're connected to me, I'm going to give you the spiritual power to have peace through turmoil, to have peace through storms, to have joy through storm. I'm going to give you the power that will sustain you, that will give you the poise to get through all that you're going through. But you got to stay connected and hold on to the rope. Because the moment you let go of that rope, you lose. You're out. There's no more connection. So hold on to the rope. And in this church, in Sardis, they let go of the rope. Right? They were no longer connected to the vine. And because they let go... They had the reputation of being alive, but they were actually spiritually dead. So the question becomes now, how can we stay connected? How can we wake up? (laughs) Grace and the power of our Savior, the gentleness of our Savior. He doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't say, do it on your own, figure it out. He gives us direction. And there are five things he says in this text that's going to help us out. Let's dig into it. Verse 2. First thing he says is, wake up. Now, it's interesting. So the full translation of wake up is to keep watch, be watchful. Right? That's a full translation of that, right? Remain watchful, keep watchful. Now, To this specific church, wake up would have caught their ears because Sardis was a city that was situated and built on a mountain, right? So when people, so so, so that, that means that folks couldn't just come and attack Sardis. You couldn't really just come and take over this city because back then they didn't have airstrikes. You know what I'm saying? They, like, they, they, they weren't, they, they, there was, they didn't have airplanes to come and destroy that city. So literally, it was very, very hard to attack this city, steal from this city, and take anything from it. The only way you could go into this city and take stuff or, or take the city is if you weren't keeping watch. And in the history of Sardis, there were two times where they literally just like, just, just, they just were, they, they, they said, you know, we good. No one has attacked us in years. We're great. And people who would literally climb up the mountain, sneak into the fortress, unlock the doors, and storm the city. Right? That only could happen because they were not being watchful. So when they, so, so, so when, when Jesus says, wake up, keep watch, that would have really like, oh, you know what? Last time we weren't watchful in this city, they stormed in, right? Last time we weren't watchful in this city, we lost stuff. 
So that's what that 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 is the kind of um, context that 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 they would have. That's the context that they would have hurt that in too, right? Another thing here is 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 that Sardis was also a pagan city. Why is this important? Because Jesus, as he's talked to all these churches, persecution has always come up, right? But in Sardis, they were not being persecuted. And we were like, great, good for them. Uh, So here's the thing. The reason why they were not being persecuted is because they were very accommodating to the culture. Because again, same cultural context as every, as every, as every other city. Not, this was not a Christian city. This was not a city that had Christian leaders in local politics, right? Same kind of city, very pagan. But Sardis, this church in Sardis, was very accommodating to all of the cultural habits and cultural tones of the city. So in other words, the citizens of Sardis would look at the church and be like, oh, y'all going to church? What's that? Oh, this is where we go. We worship Jesus and all that kind of stuff. Oh, great. And they, would be, and, and they were not offended by that because they would look at them and be like, well, y'all do the same thing we do. Y'all live the same way we live, right? Like, they'll go to church on Sunday and be like, okay, we'll see you tomorrow at the festival where we're going to sacrifice idols. And Sardis would be like, okay, save me a piece of roasted pig. And make sure that I have, 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 some, have some left over. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they would look at this church and be like, y'all, just like us. Another biblical scholar, George uh, Card, calls this the perfect model of inoffensive Christianity. Right? Because could you imagine the world looking at a church <laughs> and, and, and the world saying the only difference between you and me is that you actually go to church. That's the only difference. Is your attendance at church. Lifestyle, totally the same. And, 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 and let me be clear. This is not saying that we can't relate to the world. You know what I'm saying? If you want to get with somebody and say that the Cowboys are going to beat the Eagles twice this year, y'all can relate over that. That's perfectly fine. You can relate over sports, over food, over uh, uh, your favorite shows on, on, on Netflix, anything like that, right? But the world should not look at your life. It should not look at the choices you're making. It should not look at the beliefs you have and say we are the same. There has to be a noticeable difference in how we live. And yes, this might invite hostility. Jesus, Jesus said this in, in the Gospel of John. He says that the world will hate you because they hated me. Right? But the reason why they're going to hate you is because you don't belong to the world. You belong to me and my kingdom and my ways and my culture and my habits. You belong to me. So if the world thinks that you belong to them, they ain't going to bother you. They're not going to be offended by you. They're, they're not going to bother to say, hey, you know, you're a little different. You, 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 we relate in similar ways, but your life, you make different choices than I make. When I approach the situation, I would approach it radically different than how you would approach it. Why is that? Right? If those kind of questions aren't coming up in our lives as we relate to the world, something's off. 
something's radically off. And again, Jesus is not saying you cannot relate to the world. He's not saying you can't be nice to the world. He's saying that you should be different than the world. You gotta be different. And the world ought to notice your difference because in every other letter, the, the cultural context noticed radical differences in those churches, which is why they were persecuted, right? The Apostle Paul says that because of how we follow Jesus, he says it will make you suffer. You, it, it does invite suffering. It does invite hostility because you're offending the world and how they live. But, 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 but the other side of that is you have life in the spirit, which is worth incomparably more than life in the world. Life in the spirit grants you so much access to everything that God has for you, and that is worth far more, far more than anything the world can give you, right? Inoffensive Christianity, and, and, that's, what they, that's, and that's, what they, uh, that's what they were guilty of. So Jesus says to them, wake up up. You got to wake up, and you got to keep watch. And you got to keep watch because the moment you let your guard down, you're giving the enemy an opportunity to lie to you. Here we go. You're giving the enemy an opportunity to deceive you, right? Satan has been a character in almost all the letters we've read so far right? And when you let your guard down and you're not keeping watch, you're not alert, the enemy will attack. He will, right? And then those lies and those deceptions will begin to sound like the truth because you're not guarded. You're not being guarded by the actual truth. So then false truth begins to sound like real truth. This is what can happen when you're not keeping watch, when you're not on guard. Wake up, he says. You have the reputation of being alive, but I know you're spiritually dead, so wake up. And then the next thing he says, so that's, so that, that, that's number one, keep watch. Number two, strengthen what remains. What does he mean by this? He says this. So Jesus is not against external forms and structures, right? So he's not against church services. He's not against rituals that are, that are dedicated to him. He's not against spiritual routines and habits. He's not against any structures, right? He's against fake, right? He's against fake stuff. Last week, Pastor Scott talked about how Jesus had these burning eyes, right? These fire in his eyes. And what that signifies is that Jesus can look past the mess, look past the fake, and be like, fam, I know what you're doing. I know what's going on. This is not real. This is not real. You're just doing this to do it. You're just doing this to go through the most. You're just doing this to give the appearance that you're mine, that you're connected to me, but I know the truth. You're not. You're not connected to me. I don't care how many uh, uh, Bible studies you go to. I don't care how many services you go to. I don't care how many times you even pray. But if you're not connected to me, 
It does not matter. He sees through it, church. He sees through it. So he says, strengthen what remains. So he says, these external forms and structures are not bad if they're going to do what they were intended to do, which is lead you to me. Right? So if these church services, if these rituals, if these committees, if, 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 if all these programs do what they are intended to do, which is lead you to me, I want you to strengthen them. I want, I want you to boost. I want you to make them more robust. I want you to actually do them in a way that's authentic. I'm not saying get rid of that stuff. Strengthen it. It's good. But the way you're doing it is not good because it's fake. Again, busy spiritual life does not equal authentic spiritual life. It just doesn't equal it. Just because you're doing the duties associated with Christianity does not make you, here we go, a Christian. Oh, my God. It'll make you a Christian. It makes you fake. It makes us fake. It makes us fraudulent. My God. Scathing critique. But Jesus is doing this because he wants us to live real lives. He knows where fakeness leads. It leads to destruction. It leads to deceptions. It leads to lies. It leads to our downfall. So he's saying this because he does not want us to fall. I want you to live and live more abundantly. Wake up. Keep watch. Strengthen what remains. Strengthen the things in your life that you're doing. So if you're praying, if you're worshiping, if you're reading your devotionals, right? Do those things, but do them authentically. Do them in a way that's going to lead you to have connection to the vine, have connection to the Savior, and that is how you would get authentic spiritual life. Next thing he says, number three. Let's go to verse. There we go, Pam. Thank you so much. He says, I have not found your words complete in the sight of God. He says, remember. Next step. I want you to remember then what you have received and heard. I love this. I love this. Remember. Because here's the thing. So if we wake up and now we're saying, okay, God, I need to get real. So now let me go to my spiritual habits, my spiritual routines, and actually do them authentically. So now when I pray, when I worship, when I go to church, I'm now going to do them in such a way where I'm meditating on your word, where I'm meditating, meditating on your truth, where I'm meditating and reflecting on, on your faithfulness, and, and, and I'm opening my heart and I'm opening my mind so that you can meet me where I am through these structures, through these programs. And now that, I, now that I'm beginning to connect, Christ said, I want you to remember what you have received. Why? Why, Why is he saying this? Because remembering what we have received, remembering the gospel that we heard, remembering the, 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 the life of scriptures, it allows us to create a counter-narrative to the lies of the world and the lies of the enemy. So when the world comes at us and says, you know, 
This is how you can be happy. This is how you can be fulfilled. You know, you ought to hang out with this group. With this, with, with, you ought to go do these things. And I promise you, this, 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 this is going to lead to your true happiness. Then he's like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Let me filter that through the gospel and through the truth. Let me remember what I have received. And then the words of God are going to remind you how these things are lies. The word of God is going to remind you that these things that you're being tempted and distracted by will ultimately lead you to nowhere, right? And even when we're going through stuff, right, sometimes the enemy can use what we're going through to make us doubt God. And the enemy might say, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. God, 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 God can't possibly see me fully if I'm going through what I'm going through. Stop. Remember what you've heard. Remember the word of God. Remember that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Remember that they that wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. Remember that God gives us peace that shall surpass surpass all understanding. Remember that God will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. Remember that God is taking us on a journey to an eternal place where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more heartache. And what we're going through right now is temporary. Remember the things that you heard, and that will ground you when you're being tempted by the world and by the enemy. You have to remember. So anytime you feel weak, remember God. Anytime you feel tempted, remember God. And when we remember God, the words and the power and the life of God will fill our being and make us, and it will allow us to be on guard with the truth of his word against the lies of this world. That's what will happen. So he says, remember what you've heard. That's number three. And then the next thing he says is keep it. I love this one too. So, <laughs> I don't know why, but I really like talking about the devil. Not because, like, I respect him. Not because I, like, um, obviously I don't worship him. I like talking about it because I like to put that joker in his place. I really do. It, it gives me life to put that joker right where he's supposed to be. So it's like, I'm preaching about how we overcome the devil. That gives me life. It really does. So, and, but, but here's why I think it's important to talk about him too, because he says, keep it. So the devil, right, genuinely believes that every single day of our lives, he can defeat us. He believes that. Just because we defeat the devil one day, that joker coming back for you the next day. Coming right back for you. You know what I'm saying? Because he, he genuinely believes that if you're not on guard, he genuinely believes that as soon as you let your guard down, I got him. I got him. He believes it, right? And Jesus, that's why he says, don't just remember one time. I need you to keep remembering. Keep the gospel that you heard. I need you to keep the words of God. Because every single day, remember, you're on the brink you could lose your, your, your connection to Jesus at any given moment. So you got to keep it. Keep it. Hold on to it with dear life. Because if you don't, those lies are going to sneak in. And family, when those lies sneak in, 
we're in trouble. We are. It doesn't mean we can't overcome them. It does not mean that we can't come back from them. But Jesus is saying, don't put yourself in position to be lied to. Don't put yourself in position to be deceived. Right? Keep the word of God. Because I, I promise you, the devil is coming for us day after day after day after day after day. Because he genuinely believes that we can be defeated. But we cannot be defeated by the power of the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, he has to flee, right? Keep it. And the last thing he said, number five, this fifth point. Remember, keep it. Then he says, repent. Repent. Now, in this context, when Jesus says repent to this church, what he, what, what he, what he means to say is this. He says, I want you to turn around and come back to me. I want you to embrace me back in your lives. I want you to, 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 to truly, like, I want you to remember the gospel you heard. Remember how I saved your life and allowed me to be Savior again. I'm asking you to begin again. Begin anew. Turn around and come back to the one who saves you. Come back to the one who redeems you. Come back to the one who empowers you. Come back to the one who refuels you. Come back to the one who loves you intimately and deeply. Come back to me. Repent. Turn around. Change your lifestyle. Change your ways. And come back to me. And these things... If we follow them, this is, how we, this is how we wake up. This is how we wake back up, and this is also how we stay awake, right? This is how we stay awake, by strengthening what remains, strengthening our spiritual habits, strengthening, strengthening our spiritual disciplines, by, 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 by remembering the gospel, remembering the words of God when we're going through temptation, when we're going through distractions, Right? By keeping it, holding on to it, daily engaging the spirit, daily saying, spirit, come into my life and, 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 and help me be on guard against the enemy, right? And then by repenting, turning around, changing our minds to think like Christ, to think like the spirit and not like my will or my flesh. And then Jesus takes it, he takes it in a different direction. He says... If you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. So basically he's saying here, right, don't wait, right? Do it right now. Because if you don't do it right now, by the time I come back and I get the final judgment, it'll be too late. So the time is of the essence. You have to do it now. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Do it right now because you don't know when I'm coming back. Like a thief in the night. He, he quotes himself here, right, in, in, in the gospel. I will come back, and you do not know that they are out. So do it now. Don't wait. Don't squander this. Don't, don't, don't waste time. Do it right now. And he says, yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not sold their garments, soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. So essentially he's saying that there's a remnant where you are. 
Hmm. Right? There are people in your context, in, 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 that, in that very church, who have not sold out, who have actually remained awake this entire time, who have not soiled their garden. So they have not dirtied their souls. They have remained holy. They have remained committed to my name, to my kingdom, to my cause. They are among you. And you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of Paul in Philippians. We, we talked about Philippians, right? Y'all remember when Paul was like, imitate me? He said, imitate me and, and others that are like me as we, as we point you to the Savior. Paul says that. Jesus said the same thing here. He's like, there are a few among you who are doing the right thing, who are staying away. Go do what your brothers and sisters are doing. Right? Like, 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 like look at their lives because they are examples to you of how you can stay awake, of, of how you can wake up and then stay awake. Right? Look to them because there are a few among you. Right? And, and, and again, I think this just emphasizes the importance of community, right? So, and we can be honest with ourselves. We can come to church, go to D course, volunteer in well kids, sing worship. But let, honestly, are we connected to Jesus? Are we spiritually connected to our Savior? It, is our lives or are our lives, are we bearing fruit in our lives? Just be honest about it, right? And if the answer is no, church, this is not meant to scare you in any way. This is a warning. We have to wake up. We've got to wake up. Because if we don't wake up, it will lead to our downfall. We've got we, we, we to keep watch. We've got to be alert. We've got to wake up and get connected to the vine. And again, there's no shame here. There's grace. There's repentance. Jesus wants you back. He wants you connected. He wants you, in, he wants you intimately involved with his life. But you cannot do it while you sleep. You can't do it while you sleep. You got to be awake. You got to be active. You got to be alert. You, 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 and it's daily. Daily. You got you, you to gotta, you gotta be engaged. You got to be chasing after Christ every single day. And, and, and like Scott said last week, obedience is not meant to strike a, a, an unjoyful tone, right? Obedience is not meant to be like, oh, I got to obey God. I got to obey Jesus now. No. Obedience is meant for you to have joy. Because if you obey God, if you obey Jesus, it will lead you to all the things that he has for you, which is good. It's all so good. The fruit of the Spirit is so good. And that's what he wants you to have. He wants you to have every single promise and inheritance of his Father's kingdom. But you cannot have that if you're asleep. You've got to be awake if you want to inherit all that Christ has for you. And that's why he calls us to obedience. And that's why he calls us to wake up. So there are a few among you that you can look to. And say, hey, y'all seem to be doing really well here. Help me wake up. Help me stay awake. Right? Because I realize that I need to connect with Jesus again. So I need your help. So let's lean on one another. Let's be honest with ourselves and say, hey, let me talk to someone who I really believe and see with my own two eyes them being connected to Jesus. I see fruit in their lives. So let me go and ask them, hey, I need help. 
You're my dear brother. You're my sister. I need help here. I want to wake up. And I want to stay awake. Can you help me? And that's when that brother or sister is going to say, of course I can. We're in this together. I'm going to do it, Julia. Last week, was it last week? Was it two weeks ago? I saw Julian Palmer and Jake Palmer in High School Musical. It was, it was, it was, it was delightful. And it was, it, was, it was really good because I saw Julia be a teacher, and it was so evident how her big sisterism came out as she was acting like a teacher. It was, so when she was teaching the students, right, it was like, almost like she was bossing Bryce around. It was like she was bossing Jake around, right? I was like, she's been preparing for this moment her whole life, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, she's been preparing to, be a, to act like a teacher since she came out the womb. Because that big sister life is, 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 is you know, it's real, right? And I loved it because at the end of High School Musical, for those of you who haven't, have, who haven't seen it, the ending song is what? We're all in this together. We're all in this together. Mary's doing the dance, right? That's how I started doing the dance. We're all in this together. And you know, as corny and cliche as it is, I still love it, but as corny and cliche as it is, right, we really have to buy into that, though. Truly. Because I think sometimes we can look at our spiritual lives as too individualistic. I'm failing, right? I'm not connected. So therefore, it's all on me to get back on the horse. It's all on me to get it right. No, it's not, fam. You're part of a body. You're part of a family of believers. We got your back. We're not going to judge you. We're not going to shame you because we're human too. We're sinners too, right? So it's like if you come to me and say, I'm struggling to stay awake, I'm, I, I need to wake up, you know what I'm going to say? Genuinely, I've been there. I've been asleep. And someone had to tap me on my shoulder and say, hey, man, you need to, you need to, you need to wake up. Like, I see how you're living your life. I know how much you love Jesus, but it's not showing. And for your sake, I think you need to wake up, fam. Right? We got to lean on each other. We have to. There are a few among you who have remained awake, and they're dressed in white. They're holy. Right? Follow them. Look to them. And you'll get back on track. Next verse. We're almost to the finish line. So, Every week, we go, we, by the time we get to the end, right, Christ always has this victory formula, right? So he always says at the end, to those who conquer, you will be victorious in a very specific way. So what, what, is, what did he say this week? The one who conquers will be clothed, thus in white garments. I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Love this too. So we all know that like if, if you go to like a gala or some kind of formal event, you'll wear a tuxedo, you'll wear a gown. Jesus is saying here that when you get to heaven and you go to kingdom events, <laughs> right, the attire will be white. You got to wear white garments symbolize that you live, that you have lived or pursued a holy life. That's the attire, right? That's what you need to get to gain entry into a kingdom event, right? And to those who conquer, those who don't compromise their faith, those who remain awake throughout their lives, those who remain connected to the vine, 
they will enter into the kingdom, get their kingdom and heavenly attire, and gain access to heavenly events, to kingdom events. And Jesus, will, Jesus will, 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 will acknowledge your name in the book of life, which is the, which is the book of eternal life, right? Your name will be written in the eternal book. And then he will introduce you to his father in his angelic entourage. Oh, what a day it'll be. What a day it'll be. And as joyous as we can be about that day, let us not forget that if we want to get there, we got to stay awake. We got to stay awake. Don't miss that detail. Don't just dwell on this last part here, because I can sometimes. Got to stay awake. And if we remain awake, we'll get here. Right? And, and, and again, we all fall off. We all fall short. That's why he says, wake up. Wake up. That's something that you can say to yourself every single day. Hey, wake up or remain awake. Stay alert. Stay alert. That ain't the way, fam. Don't go that way. Remember the words you receive. Remember, re- remember those words. And, help, and let those words help you fight against those lies. Stay awake. Wake up. Stay alert. The stakes are too high. Don't fall. Don't fall for the okadoke. Don't fall for the lies of the enemy. Because he's going to keep lying to you. It's not going to stop. But he, has, but he is no match for you because of what you have. Because of what we have which is the power of the spirit of the living God. Let's pray. As the worship team comes back up. God, we thank you so much for your powerful word. We thank you, God, for 